section eleven of little journeys to the homes of great businessmen this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. little journeys to the homes of great businessmen by albert hubbard john j astor part one the man who makes it the habit of his life to go to bed at nine o'clock usually gets rich and is always reliable of course going to bed does not make him rich i merely mean that such a man will in all probability be up early in the morning and do a big day's work so his weary bones put him to bed early rogues do their work at night honest men work by day it's all a matter of habit and good habits in america make any man rich wealth is largely a result of habit it was victor hugo who said when you open a school you close a prison this seems to require a little explanation victor hugo did not have in mind a theological school nor yet a young ladies seminary nor an english boarding school nor a military academy and least of all a parochial institute what he was thinking of was a school where people young and old were taught to be self-respecting self-reliant and efficient to care for themselves to help bear the burdens of the world to assist themselves by adding to the happiness of others victor hugo fully realized that the only education which serves is the one that increases human efficiency not the one that retards it an education for honors ease medals degrees titles position immunity may tend to exalt the individual ego but it weakens the race and its gain on the whole is nil men are rich only as they give he who gives service gets great returns action and reaction are equal and the radiatory power of the planets balances their attraction the love you keep is the love you give away a bumptious colored person wearing a derby tipped over one eye and a cigar in his mouth pointing to the northwest walked into a hardware store and remarked let me see your razors the clerk smiled pleasantly and asked do you want a razor to shave with no said the colored person for social purposes an education for social purposes isn't of any more use than a razor purchased for a like use an education which merely fits a person to prey on society and occasionally slash it up is a predatory preparation for a life of uselessness and closes no prison rather it opens a prison and takes captive at least one man the only education that makes free is the one that tends to human efficiency teach children to work play laugh fletcherize study think and yet again work and we will raise every prison there is only one prison and its name is inefficiency amid the bastions of this bastille of the brain the guards are pride pretense greed gluttony selfishness increase human efficiency and you set the captives free the teutonic tribes have captured the world because of their efficiency says lecky the historian he then adds that he himself is a celt 
the two statements taken together reveal lucky to be a man without prejudice when the irish tell the truth about the dutch the millennium approaches should the quibbler arise and say that the dutch are not germans i will reply true but the germans are dutch at least they are of dutch descent the germans are great simply because they have the homely and indispensable virtues of prudence patience and industry there is no copyright on these qualities god can do many things but so far he has never been able to make a strong race of people and leave these ingredients out of the formula as a nation holland first developed them so that they became characteristic of the whole people it was the slow steady stream of hollanders pushing southward that civilized germany music as a science was born in holland the grandfather of beethoven was a dutch man gutenberg's forebears were from holland and when the hollanders had gone clear through germany and then traversed italy and came back home by way of venice they struck the rock of spiritual resources and the waters gushed forth since rembrandt carried portraiture to the point of perfection two hundred fifty years ago holland has been a land of artists and it is so even unto this day john jacob astor was born of a dutch family that had migrated down to heidelberg from antwerp through some strange freak of atavism the father of the boy bred back and was more or less of a stone age cave-dweller he was a butcher by trade in the little town of waldorf a few miles from heidelberg a butcher's business then was to travel around and kill the pet pig or sheep or cow that the tender-hearted owners dare not harm the butcher was a pariah a sort of unofficial industrial hangman at the same time he was more or less of a genius for he climbed steeples dug wells and did all kinds of disagreeable jobs that needed to be done and from which cautious men shrink like unwashed wool one such man a german too lives in east aurora i joined him in walking along a country road the other day he carried a big basket on his arm and was peacefully smoking a big dutch pipe we talked of music and he was regretting the decline of a taste for bach when he happened to shift the basket to the other arm what have you there i asked and here is the answer oh noddings noddings but dynamite i've asked going up under hill to blow me some stumps out and i suddenly bethought me of an engagement at the village john jacob astor was the youngest of four sons and as many daughters the brothers ran away early in life and went to sea or joined the army one of these boys came to america and followed his father's trade of butcher jacob astor the happy father of john jacob used to take the boy with him on his pig-killing expeditions this for two reasons one so the lad would learn a trade and the other to make sure that the boy did not run away parents who hold their children by force have a very slender claim upon them the pastor of the local lutheran church took pity on this boy who had such disgust for his father's trade and hired him to work in his garden and run errands 
the intelligence and alertness of the lad made him look like good timber for a minister he learned to read and was duly confirmed as a member of the church under the kindly care of the village parson john jacob grew in mind and body his estate was to come later when he was seventeen his father came and made a formal demand for his services the young man must take up his father's work of butchering that night john jacob walked out of waldorf by the wan light of the moon headed for antwerp he carried a big red handkerchief in which his worldly goods were knotted and in his heart he had the blessings of the lutheran clergyman who walked with him for half a mile and said a prayer at parting to have youth high hope right intent health and a big red handkerchief is to be greatly blessed john jacob got a job next day as oarsman on a lumber raft he reached antwerp in a week there he got a job on the docks as a laborer the next day he was promoted to checker off the captain of a ship asked him to go to london and figure up the manifests on the way he went the captain of the ship recommended him to the company in london and the boy was soon piling up wealth at the rate of a guinea a month in september seventeen hundred eighty three came the news to london that george washington had surrendered in any event peace had been declared cornwallis had forced the issue so the americans had stopped fighting a little later it was given out that england had given up her american colonies and they were free intuitively john jacob astor felt that the new world was the place for him he bought passage on a sailing ship bound for baltimore at a cost of five pounds he then fastened five pounds in a belt around his waist and with the rest of his money after sending two pounds home to his father with a letter of love bought a dozen german flutes he had learned to play on this instrument with proficiency and in america he thought there would be an opening for musicians and musical instruments john jacob was then nearly twenty years of age the ship sailed in november but did not reach baltimore until the middle of march having had to put back to sea on account of storms when within sight of the chesapeake then a month more was spent hunting for the chesapeake there was plenty of time for flute playing and making of plans on board ship he met a german twenty years older than himself who was a fur trader and had been home on a visit john jacob played the flute and the german friend told stories of fur trading among the indians young astor's curiosity was excited the waldorf astoria plan of flute playing was forgotten he fed on fur trading the habits of the animals the value of their pelts the curing of the furs their final market were all gone over again and again the two extra months at sea gave him an insight into a great business and he had the time to fletcherize his ideas he thought about it wrote about it in his diary for he was at the journal age wolves bears badgers minks and muskrats filled his dreams arriving in baltimore he was disappointed to learn that there were no fur traders there he started for new york here he found work with a certain robert brown a quaker 
who bought and sold furs young astor set himself to learn the business every part of it he was always sitting on the curb at the door before the owner got around in the morning carrying a big key to open the warehouse he was the last to leave at night he pounded furs with a stick salted them sorted them took them to the tanners brought them home he worked and as he worked learned to secure the absolute confidence of a man obey him only thus do you get him to lay aside his weapons be he friend or enemy any dullard can be waited on and served but to serve requires judgment skill tact patience and industry the qualities that make a youth a good servant are the basic ones for mastership astor's alertness willingness loyalty and ability to obey delivered his employer over into his hands robert brown the good old quaker insisted that jacob should call him robert and from boarding the young man with a nearby war widow who took cheap boarders brown took young astor to his own house and raised his pay from two dollars a week to six brown had made an annual trip to montreal for many years montreal was the metropolis for furs brown went to montreal himself because he did not know of any one he could trust to carry the message to garcia those who knew furs and had judgment were not honest and those who were honest did not know furs honest fools are really no better than rogues as far as practical purposes are concerned brown once found a man who was honest and also knew furs but alas he had a passion for drink and no prophet could foretell his periodic until it occurred young astor had been with brown only a year he spoke imperfect english but he did not drink nor gamble and he knew furs and was honest brown started him off for canada with a belt full of gold his only weapon was a german flute that he carried in his hand brown being a quaker did not believe in guns flutes were a little out of his line too but he preferred them to flintlocks john jacob astor ascended the hudson river to albany and then with pack on his back struck north alone through the forest to lake champlain as he approached an indian settlement he played his flute the aborigines showed no disposition to give him the hook he hired indians to paddle him up to the canadian border he reached montreal the fur traders there knew brown as a very sharp buyer and so had their quills out on his approach but young astor was seemingly indifferent his manner was courteous and easy he got close to his man and took his pick of the pelts at fair prices he expended all of his money and even bought on credit for there are men who always have credit young astor found indian nature to be simply human nature the savage was a man and courtesy gentleness and fairly good flute playing soothed his savage breast astor had beads and blankets a flute and a smile the indians carried his goods by relays and then with guttural certificates as to his character passed him on to other red men and at last he reached new york without the loss of a pelt or the dampening of his ardor brown was delighted to young astor it was nothing 
he had in his blood the success corpuscle he might have remained with brown and become a partner in the business but brown had business limitations and astor hadn't so after a three years apprenticeship astor knew all that brown did and all he himself could imagine besides so he resigned in seventeen hundred eighty six john jacob astor began business on his own account in a little store on water street new york there were one room and a basement he had saved a few hundred dollars his brother the butcher had loaned him a few hundred more and robert brown had contributed a bale of skins to be paid for at thy own price and thy own convenience astor had made friends with the indians up the hudson clear to albany and they were acting as recruiting agents for him he was a bit boastful of the fact that he had taught an indian to play the flute and anyway he had sold the savage the instrument for a bale of beaver pelts with a bearskin thrown in for good measure it was a musical achievement as well as a commercial one having collected several thousand dollars worth of furs he shipped them to london and embarked as a passenger in the steerage the trip showed him that ability to sell was quite as necessary as the ability to buy a point which with all of his shrewdness brown had never guessed in london furs were becoming a fad astor sorted and sifted his buyers as he had his skins he himself dressed in a suit of fur and thus proved his ability as an advertiser he picked his men and charged all the traffic would bear he took orders on sample from the nobility and sundry of the gentry and thereby cut the middleman all of the money he received for his skins he invested in indian goods colored cloth beads blankets knives axes and musical instruments his was the first store in new york that carried a stock of musical instruments these he sold to the savages and also he supplied the stolid dutch the best of everything in this particular line from a bazoo to a stradivarius violin when he got back to new york he at once struck out through the wilderness to buy furs of the indians or better still to interest them in bringing furs to him he knew the value of friendship and trade as no other man of the time did he went clear through to lake erie down to niagara falls along lake ontario across to lake champlain and then down the hudson he foresaw the great city of buffalo and rochester as well only he said that rochester would probably be situated directly on the lake but the water power of the genesee falls proved a stronger drawing power than the lake front he prophesied that along the banks of the niagara falls would be built the greatest manufacturing city in the world there were flour mills and sawmills there then the lumber first used in building the city of buffalo was brought from the sawmills at the falls electric power of course was then a thing unguessed but astor prophesied the erie canal and made good guesses as to where prosperous cities would appear along its line in seventeen hundred ninety john jacob astor married sarah todd her mother was a brevort 
and it was brought about by her coming to Astor to buy furs with which to make herself a coat her ability to judge furs and make them up won the heart of the dealer the marriage brought young Astor into the best dutch new york society a combination that was quite as exclusive then as now this marriage was a business partnership as well as a marital and proved a success in every way sarah was a worker with all the good old dutch qualities of patience persistence industry and economy when her husband went on trips she kept store she was the only partner in whom he ever had implicit faith and faith is the first requisite in success end of section eleven